Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. But now it's time for the latest of our debates involving candidates, uh, this time in the Limerick County constituency. And in the studio with me, uh, Fine Gael's Tom Neville, uh, Fianna Falls, Michael Collins and Claire Keating of the Green Party. I should point out that we had also invited uh, independent Richard O'Donoghue to participate in this morning's uh, debate and uh, he originally thought that he could make it, but he contacted us earlier today and said that there was something conflicting and meant that he wasn't in a position to come in and debate this morning. I just want to make that clear because obviously there would be people wondering where he was uh, in the context uh, of having uh, spoken to all of the various candidates during these debates on Live 95 and you can catch up on all of the debates by the way including this one uh, a bit later at live95.ie as podcasts. So uh, you're very welcome. Uh, Thank you very much for coming in this morning and uh, let us uh, start uh, with uh, the latest of the polls in advance of the big leaders debate tonight involving Sinn Féin's Mary Lou MacDonald, Fianna Fáil leader Micheál Martin and Fine Gael leader Leo Varadkar on RTE and I mentioned this poll at the start of the show uh, 1,200 uh, people polled between the 30th of January and the 1st of February, a margin of uh, error of 2.8% and what does it say? It says Sinn Féin are top of the pile on 25% up 4, Fianna Fáil 23% down two, Fine Gael, uh, 20% down three, the Green Party 8% no change, Labour 4% down one and Independence and others 20% up two. Uh, Fine Gael's Tom Neville, what's your reaction to that? Are you worried? Yeah, that poll was taken up to last Saturday and um, look, we've seen a grown in Sinn Féin support over the last number of weeks um, and I have obviously come across that with people in the electorate as well and obviously have to be mindful of that. Um, there is still a bit of campaigning left to do. I, I don't know. I, th- I understand there probably maybe be another poll before polling day. Um, you know, we've had Sunday, Monday, and now today campaigning as well in the next couple of days. So, look, as a candidate myself, I'm just going to concentrate on trying to get to as many doors and give my message of what I have done and my record over the last four years and uh, try and get that across to people. And then, as the electorate have, we'll make a choice on who they will prefer to see um, elected to the Dáil. Claire? Um, yes, I think it's uh, quite um, incredible, really, that their growth, um, considering that they were they lost a lot of seats in the local elections, um, I suppose we have to respect the electorate and um, I, am hearing, I am hearing it myself as well on the doorsteps that people are looking for change. And um, like Tom said there, we're out campaigning. There's still four days to go. And I've been at myself for the last 21, 22 days straight campaigning um, and trying to cover as many uh, towns and villages as I can um, in the very short space of time that we have. So, um, yeah, I I think, um, as Tom said, like it's, it's definitely, there is a shift um, and people are beginning to um, give their views on the doorstep that they are not happy with the current situation. Mm. And then from Fianna Fáil's perspective, Michael? Likewise, Joe, I've seen the, the growth of Sinn Féin on the doorsteps as well, um, pre- predominantly among the younger age groups. And uh, I suppose they're the age groups that would not know the background to Sinn Féin and the principles that Sinn Féin had in the past and their links to, to terrorism and criminality. Um, but look, we are where we are with, with the young people. Uh, I'm out banging on doors day and night as well. I have a very strong campaign uh, behind me and uh, we're chatting to people and trying to explain to them that or the government uh, have been un- unpopular over many months. 
Do and you I, think that part of this well. is that it is difficult for Fianna Fáil, having been in confidence and supply uh, for the government, uh, that maybe people haven't seen a sufficient separation for you? Yeah, that has been a, a difficulty, but I suppose just in relation to the supply conference and supply agreement, uh, we were the only party that stepped up to the plate uh, after the last general election. Uh, Sinn Féin had the opportunity to step up to the plate as well, and they chose not to. So it's very easy to be popular and not step, step up to responsibilities, whereas we did as a party. Uh, it has been unpopular for us, but we had to make difficult choices in the interests of the economy and the country. Mm. And, and Tom, um, from Fine Gael's perspective, you know, depending on, and the real poll will happen on Saturday and everyone exactly, accepts yeah. that, yeah. but depending on the mandate that Sinn Féin have, is that not a mandate that would need to be respected when looking towards government formation? Well, Joe, you've said it yourself, like the real poll hasn't happened and won't happen until Saturday. So I think we're being very speculative now and having a conversation on that. I mean, but what's interesting is all of you are saying that you are getting it on the doors no, about the Sinn Féin. opinion polls are reflecting what happened up to as far as last Saturday. As I said, that's another week's campaigning. That's a third of, of the campaign to go, which is an extremely long, long time in politics. We have seen elections in the past turn and twist in the last two or three days. Obviously, parties will be coming more and more into the focus as they rise in relation to their policies and what they will deliver in government. And there's a number of flaws in relation to those policies in relation to tax uh, 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 and, and also in the sustainability of jobs. Fine Gael have proved over the last four years that we have brought unemployment right down to 4.8% maintained job growth and have brought that to the regions particularly over the last three years and I want to sell that message and give that message on the door in relation to economic sustainability in order to be able to give money and funding to our services in rural Ireland. Claire, are you surprised when you consider the prominence of green issues throughout 2019 and, and you know, things that were happening on the ground here that you would have been involved in yourself and, and then obviously the Greta Thunberg movement and everything that we've seen, that the Greens are apparently going to this poll on 8%, I think. Um, yes, but they're definitely, I am getting a lot of support as well. I'm, I'm a first-time candidate also and I'm also one of two females running and hoping to be one of the first females elected ever in the county. I am getting it on the doorstep as well that parents are saying that their children are coming home from school and they're extremely concerned about environmental issues and everybody knows the whole Greta Thunberg movement is um, across the world at this stage. Um, yeah, I am surprised that the Greens aren't doing better, to be honest with you, um, but that's why we do need rural representation in in, in, in the west of Ireland as, as well, and not Dublin-centric. We do need rural um, G or Green Party candidates throughout Ireland. And when you hear uh, the environmental policies of, for example, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, since they're both represented here today, is it something that you embrace or something that you doubt? Um, no, it's not something I doubt. I suppose the, I, when it comes to climate change, nobody has a better manifesto than the Green Party. And that is very, very clear. Um, and, and, and the other parties will acknowledge that. Um, so I think um, the Green Party definitely has a lot to offer, but there's a lot of fear as well. People feel that uh, the Green Party are um, all about taxation and carbon tax, and that is not true. We're about trying a transition to a more sustainable um, a more sustainable um, country and more sustainable lifestyle and that is where we have to go. We have to reduce our reliance on fossil fuels and that has to happen and the next 10 years are critical. Right. And Michael Collins, are the Greens just better on the environment than Fianna Fáil? Uh, no, I wouldn't agree with that, Joe. Uh, I mean, I've personally taken a step myself 
uh, to create a, a small but important initiative by not running uh, posters for this, this campaign. I did it for the local elections and it was hugely advantageous to me. Um, so, you know, small steps on the ground are hugely important. As a father and a very, very young grandfather, uh, I want to ensure that, um, you know, the world is a better place for my grandchildren uh, when, when they, uh, you know, come to... to um, to work and live in this country. Uh, we have uh, our own green initiatives. Um, we have done a lot of work in the local authority in the past number of years with the, the green flag initiatives. Uh, and that's where it starts really with the children in, in the schools. So we, we need to educate the older people and the older population into having much more environmentally friendly uh, activities. Yeah, Michael makes the point of his poster-free campaign. What about you, Tom Neville? Look, I mean, there's a mixture of ideas in that. Um, you know, I've, I've thought about this long and hard um, in relation to post campaign. You know, I don't think if, if 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 you don't have posters, it doesn't give new candidates the chance to get their name out there. I was a new candidate once as well myself, and it doesn't give them the chance to get their name out there. I'm a new candidate, Tom. Yeah, fair enough, but you have been a councillor before that, you know, so you, you have a profile. Um, the second thing is that, you know, and, and it's just no disrespect to you, no, Michael, when I said it, it's just a general thought, of, an objective thought I've had myself is in relation to actually getting one's name out there that you may be having to start relying on the likes of social media and advertising and you're relying then on algorithms. Let's say if we were all to go poster free, you're relying on algorithms then that will, if they can be altered or changed through a central uh, company, could have an outcome or an influence, be it covert or overt, on uh, elections. And, and you know, you know, I, I've had people say to me, like, when are the posters going up? We want to see who's running. So it, it's, 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 it's a mix and gathering in relation to that. I, you know, your posters go up for three weeks to come down, you put them away, they're recycled. I'm using old posters as well myself from the last election as well. I've tried to keep as many as I can um, so I can reuse them and, and reuse it. And, and just, I'd like to say as well, Joel, like I volunteered to go on the Joint Oireachtas Climate Action Committee so I could educate myself as much as possible mm. on climate change, but also to be able to bring us to that trust transition in actually bringing right. people with us and helping yeah. rural Ireland by bringing people yeah. with us Claire, as well. where are you on posters? Um, well, I put up 200 posters in the entire county. Obviously, it is not a green, um, something that I would have liked to have done, but I'm, as Tom said, I am a first-time candidate and yeah. I think how else would I get my name out there, my face out there and actually get people to know who I am and why I, and, and what I represent. Um, ideally, I don't believe that we should have posters and I think um, going forward, there's something that we should uh, that we should do. We should maybe every town and village have a designated area that everybody puts up one poster um, and maybe that, that way people can go and see maybe at a community centre or outside a church or something like that, that and, and, and people know who is running in the elections. Um, but I, d I definitely don't agree with them. Joe, Joe we, just, we, just, need, we need to ban posters completely. They've had their day. Uh, they so are, are, do you think you're greener than the other two on this one? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, and, uh, it's hard to argue, I, isn't it? I, I think I, I, learn, Joe, I'm, I'm going to bring, uh, you know, a, a motion to, to get banned posters nationally, and that's where the problem is because I tried to do it through the through the local authority, but it's national legislation allowing postering, so we have to ban well, it. Well, um, Niall Collins definitely has two thousand plus posters up. He's on every poll that I've come across driving on the roads, um, and he's, oh, yeah, but uh, but, uh, he's but, your uh, mate. but but well, but but Michael now is you know a candidate, and yeah. he he has taken a position on this. And Correct. Is, is that is that not a greener position than either well, of you? Well, I wouldn't say it is a greener position than than, than us. Um, 
Absolutely not. As I, I had to get, I'm a first-time candidate. People in West Limerick and other areas would not have known that I was running unless I actually get my name out there. It's, it's unfortunate that that is the way it is, that we have no choice but to put up posters. And as I, I do agree with Michael, we actually, I, I agree with him that we should have a motion to ban them. Absolutely, 100%. But I wouldn't say he's greener than me. Absolutely not. Is he greener than you? <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to be anyway. <laughs> um, actually, you're very late to this candidacy. You are a councillor, but you're very late to the Fianna Fáil ticket in the County Limerick constituency. Does that completely hamstring you? Well, it, it has been a disadvantage coming in very late. Uh, my colleague, Eddie Ryan, you know, has been on the the campaign to get uh, added to the ticket for the past three years and, and um, I was uh, supportive of Eddie's candidacy. Uh, we've always had two uh, candidates running in Fianna Fáil since the foundation of the party. We've been a strong driving force in political life uh, throughout County Limerick uh, since that and uh, Eddie, for personal reasons, uh, decided to withdraw after his candidacy. He was added on, on uh, Monday week last and uh, I felt strongly that we should have two candidates. Uh, I phoned headquarters, Fianna Fáil headquarters, and I spoke with the General Secretary, Sean Dorgan, and uh, I was getting a strong feeling on the ground that if we didn't run two candidates, that the, the, the good Fianna Fáil core vote out there weren't happy. Like, we have a huge, dormant Fianna Fáil uh, vote base out there as well, uh, since John Cregan uh, left the political stage back in 2011. And I'm here, Joe, to reinvigorate them, to... Re to uh, reignite those dormant Fianna Fáil people. And it's going well on the ground, and I've got a great chance of being elected. Right. So, so you, you really feel that? I do, that's the feeling I'm getting on the ground. Yeah. And of course, we, we have uh, Patrick O'Donovan and yep. Tom Neville, obviously. Tom, standing uh, for Fine Gael, yes. and you have the two of those seats already. So how are you feeling about it? Look, I'm positive, upbeat. Um, as I said, there's still a long way to go on this campaign. Um, the real poll takes place on Saturday. It's um, my head is down, just or my head is up, and my my, my I'm just moving forward all the time to try and meet as many people as I can. And, and really put the record out of my work. I've worked extremely hard for this constituency over the last four years, be it across the economy, climate change, jobs, uh, agriculture. Um, and I've always been available to my community as well in relation to that. So y y y I, I just want to be able to put that message out there to people and allow them to make that choice uh, in relation to that. And I would hope, I would hope, I mean, we can't make assumptions here. I would hope that they would return me on Saturday. And Claire, how do you feel from the Greens' perspective and how is your candidacy going? Well, I'm getting a very good reception also on the doorsteps and I'm hearing clearly that people do want change. They're tired of the same old um, civil war parties running, running the country um, for the last hundred years and they are looking for change and um, I don't know how it's going to, it's anyone's guess how things are going to pan out on Sasha Day but I am getting a very positive response and um, and I'm hopeful I'm going to continue polling, <coughs> excuse me, canvassing right up until the very end and meeting as many people as possible and speaking to as many people as possible but the reception so far has been quite positive. Okay, we're talking to Claire Keating of the Green Party, uh, Fiona Falls, Michael Collins and Fine Gael's Tom Neville, all standing in the Limerick County constituency in general election 2020, which is happening on Saturday, as we've uh, mentioned. We'll take a break and talk some more to them after that. We're in the middle of our latest general election 2020 debate across both Limerick constituencies, of course, here at Live 95. Uh, we're in the Limerick County constituency this morning and in the studio with me, uh, Fine Gael's Tom Neville, Fianna Fáil's Michael Collins and Claire Keating of the Green Party. As I mentioned, we also invited independent councillor Richard O'Donoghue, but unfortunately he couldn't make it uh, this morning. Uh, let's hear a question now from Inga. This is directed to everybody as well. 
Do you have any plans to bring retail business into Limerick? Walk around the city centre from half past five onwards. It's like a ghost town. Places closed down, they don't seem to reopen. Is it your fault or is it council's fault? What's going to be done about it? No, well, I take the point that that is not your direct constituency. Obviously, it has a major impact. What's happening in Limerick City, what's happening in Newcastle West, what's happening in, in yeah. Abbey Field. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you say to Inga Clare? Um, well, as a small business owner myself, I understand the challenges that um, um, small businesses are facing and um, having canvassed throughout the county. Um, over the last three weeks, I've seen the amount of empty businesses and derelict shops. Um, it's unbelievable. It's startling. And that's something that I certainly would like to work towards. I would like to get as many businesses as possible up and running and get rural Ireland back on its feet again and buzzing. And that is something that I would like to definitely work towards. Um, Also, I think a problem is insurance costs. The insurance is scandalous at the moment and people are, it's closing down crashes, it's closing down restaurants. Um, It's it's crazy, the the insurance situation that still hasn't been dealt with in this country. Um, so, yeah, I do agree with her 100%. We do need to get small businesses um, and a lot of investment into uh, the rural Midwest and, and cities or towns like Newcastle West, towns like um, Askeaton and Abbeyfield, Kilmallock. I've seen, I've seen them all over the last couple of weeks and they are dying a slow death and, and that's the God's honest truth. Tom? Um, yeah, look, as part of our manifesto, we want to increase the microfinance loan from 25000 to 50000 um, and also the self-employed tax credits we equalise with the PAYE tax credit as well to foster that self-employment uh, sector and small business sector. Obviously, broadband is a major, major uh, factor in relation to rural Ireland and businesses anyway, and that broadband plan is, plan is done now and has been rolled out, and I very much welcome that. It's something that's uh, long overdue. Um, you know, and we have to put these incentives and empower people uh, to be able to create and, 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 and work in these businesses. But rural Ireland has changed too and the markets have diversified as well. Um, I think there's a huge, um, huge potential in relation to the arts. Um, I have spoken a lot about the arts over the last four years. The nighttime type culture that was mentioned that I spoke, I think I may have spoke to your show about six or eight months ago. That's one thing that we're doing a consultation on at the moment in creating kind of night mayors, M-A-Y-O-R-S, just to, to clarify. But that nighttime culture to actually generate that culture with museums or you, you look at culture night, you look at culture night. How busy was it this year? It's the busiest time ever. You go to any other European places, you have this kind of night culture where maybe people go out to restaurants slightly later. Or, uh, or go to museums or go to even community centres. West Limerick Drama Festival starting, Banog Drama Festival starting, Granite Drama Festival starting. The crowds that I was at the Granite Festival last week, the crowd that was at it was phenomenal. That runs for eight or ten nights, full, packed. You know, so there is a potential there. Michael? Yeah, Joe, uh, Inga's question is very, very uh, important and relevant to County Limerick as well. Uh, like Claire, I'm a small business owner for the past 30 years. I've been uh, self-employed for that long. Uh, I see the challenges and having been out and about in the likes of Kilmallock, Croom, Abbeyfield, Ratkeel and my own town of Newcastle West. <clears throat> uh, huge challenges challenges exist there and one of the biggest issues we I see facing us is the dereliction issue. Now, um, in, in the council we have um, tackled or started to tackle dereliction uh, in our major towns. But, but can I ask you this? Is there anything that can ultimately be done when the market prevails? And, you know, obviously those businesses in those units would still be there if the business was coming through the door. Well, look, there has been a huge challenge with online sales as well, and uh, we cannot stop that. So people have to be inventive, especially small business owners, and to have an online pr- uh, 
have an online presence. Uh, what we need in the major towns really is to increase employment. Uh, not, like in West Limerick, we haven't had a huge employer since the, since Costal were uh, brought in there uh, in the time of Fianna Fáil and, and uh, Jura Collins, who delivered that to West Limerick. So we need we need employment. And I see my own town of Newcastle West. Um, in, nine, in 2016, we were promised uh, 110 high-end jobs by Minister Patrick O'Donovan uh, through the company Artec, and that hasn't happened. But we have challenges, and we have... We're told it's still on the agenda. I'm well, going to say that for balance, but we're told... I'm just want, I'm for, only for making the point years. for balance for, because for he's, 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 he, the specific minister isn't here. Um, but Joe, Joe can, I just, can I just add one thing, right? Uh, there is an, an initiative uh, currently underway uh, through Limerick City and County Council through Innovate Limerick. Uh, 187,000 has been recently allo- allocated uh, to the county to bring in e-hub type businesses in the likes of Abbeyfield, Ratkeel, Kilmallock and Croom. And that's where we will be attracting high-end uh, digital jobs from companies, uh, yeah. multinational companies that can't attract uh, people to work in the likes of I, Dublin, I, um, to work locally within Cl- Abbeyfield and Rakeel and those towns. Claire, what about the green economy? Is there potential there? Um, can you explain again? What you well, I mean, you know, the Green Party will talk about, you know, the ways that you can still provide business through energy and other things. Is there potential there? Oh, there absolutely is. Um, I will give you an example of that now. Sorry. Well, while you're doing that, Tom, um, from the perspective of a rural yeah. Fine Gael TD, you know, the finger has been pointed at Fine Gael quite a bit as having forgotten rural yeah. Ireland. What would you say? Well, look, there's been a huge increase in rural Ireland funding over the last number of years. I think in County Limerick alone, it's 244% increase between 2017 and 2018. Michael here has mentioned the likes of e-hubs. The town of village renewal, Rathkeel, there was an e-hub created in Rathkeel. Um, Glenbrohan is a village hub there. €628,000 given towards that last year to actually put in a village hub there as well. That's an example of some of the money that's coming back to rural Ireland. But Joe, it all goes back to having a strong economy that can deliver. We want to obviously work with our farmers in maintaining rural Ireland and look after our farmers in relation to their produce. But as you asked Claire there in relation to the the green uh, agenda, particularly in agriculture, the likes of using solar panels, feeding tariffs, biodigestion, uh, I I think is a huge way forward in in helping that. Yeah, Yeah, in terms of agriculture there as well, um, the Green Party, um, there's 120,000 small farmers in in this country and we want to support them. Some of them are earning as little as €13,000 per annum and that's not sustainable. That's not going to keep a family um, surviving in this day and age. And we are are about supporting small farmers and we definitely have in our manifesto, we have many ways that we can do that if we do get into government. Um, so I definitely think that that needs to be looked at. And um, um, also um, planting forestry is something that we want to we, we want to roll out as well. We're incentivizing farmers to go more sustainable as well. Um, plant one hectare, we will pay them to do that. We will pay them to manage the land um, more so. And I can actually get away from fertilizers, also use more regenerative farming as well. And you can save a lot of money by doing that. And Claire, when the Greens are sometimes pointed at as being anti-farming, now what's yeah. your response to that? Well, we're not. I just think that that is something that probably the Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil have been saying for so long that is now in their heads. Um, but the younger generation of farmers, the farmers that I've spoken to, are definitely open to change and they know that they have to change and they know that they have to diversify and be more sustainable in order to survive. Um, the older ones are probably a little bit more difficult to convince, but um, 
definitely they know that, that, that climate change is huge, that droughts, famines, wildfires, all of this does happen and, and has happened in our past and it's something that we have to work towards and we have to, we have to meet okay. our climate so, targets. Joe, can I just come in there just, just, just very briefly? Uh, Claire mentioned about uh, the farmer's income had been 13,000. That's actually the gross figure. Uh, they, the, the, the net figure for farmers is 9,000. Uh, beef farmers, and I've met hundreds of them across County Limerick in the past two weeks, they're on their knees. They're not getting, getting enough money uh, per kg for, for the beef production. Uh, and to bring in these green initiatives, we're all for them, but to bring in these green initiatives further is going to, to further dilute their incomes. And it's not sustainable. Farming communities are the backbone of County Limerick. We have to support them as best we okay. can. I, 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 we what I don't that. understand about the answer is you said we're all for them, but don't bring them in. We, we're all for green initiatives to, to try and help, help um, climate change. But we can't cripple farmers. They're the backbone of County Limerick and we need okay. them. Tom? Yeah, look, I always hear the green debate and agriculture. I mean, the green debate is wider. It's transport, it's aviation. You know, it's not just agriculture. Obviously, agriculture has its bit and part to play, but it's not just agriculture. And farmers are very aware of that. But in relation to a fair transition, they need to be given the time and the space to be able to make the changes that are, they're required to make. And I think the cap negotiations will have to reward farmers on their green initiatives, like carbon sequestration for the grass that they have, the production uh, um, systems they have in place that are, are green-friendly, like some, our, our milk is our milk production is one of the most green friendly in the world, um, as opposed to vis-a-vis and our beef production vis-a-vis what happens in Brazil. Okay. So all those factors have to be taken into account. Tom, but Tom but Joe, right. the 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 green argument is a lot wider than right. just agriculture. Yeah. That Tom is, to be is very right. Important. There has to be a just transition. We cannot put this austerity on farmers and say you have to do this immediately. There has to be a, like a period of five years or so that we work with them, we help them, we educate them and we and we, we invest the money in this transition because we have to make sure that farmers, as Mike said, they are the backbone of rural Ireland. But you, and but you know then you hear the experts saying we only have this decade, that if we don't get it right by 2030, we are over the tipping point and the planet is finished. Well, I wouldn't, yeah. Well, well that's what they're, it's a, it's not that's the, what I thought they were not, saying. It's not the end of the world. 2030 isn't going to be the end of the world, Joe. But that's what they keep it, telling us. Yeah, they keep yeah, saying that yeah. if we don't make the changes it, between if, 2020 and 2030, yeah. the fundamental shift, not just in Ireland, obviously, but globally, but we we're done for. It's our game carbon over. Emissions, absolutely. It's, we have to reduce our carbon emissions. All the science is pointing in that direction. Joe, if we, uh, we incentivise farmers, if we give them subsidies to diversify farming, I, I think that's where the key point is. Uh, bring in the likes of wind farming, uh, solar farming. They have the land. It's just to utilise it differently. Mm-hmm. And if they're not making money in beef, as a small business owner, if I'm not making money, I close my shop. And that's, that's the end of it. So well, I'll give you with, an example. With, with, with farming, we have to incentivise them to diversify. And there are opportunities okay. there for them. The, sp- the spokesperson for the Green Party's agricultural um, sector is, a, a pip- is an organic beef farmer herself, Pippa Hackett. She moved from conventional um, beef farming to organic beef farming. And in doing so, she's actually, they're earning more money, they're, they're more sustainable, and they're actually work, they have a better quality of life. And that, she's an example of how it can be done. And, and how we need to support the farmers in this transition um, because they're not making any money currently. Tom? Yeah, look, the first thing we need to do with farmers is to protect them from Brexit. That's the first thing we need to do with agriculture yes. is to protect from Brexit and the negotiations that we have to do within 10 months now we're told about. That is paramount. We need to save farming. And Isn't that. it interesting that it just appears as though there isn't traction on Brexit in this election? 
And I, I, w- I would be honest and say that actually surprised me. But it mm. does feel that way. But you see, the other side of that, um, Joe, is on the lead up to Brexit, there was huge toing and froing and fear as to what might happen. And the government, Leo Faradkar, Simon Coveney and uh, Helen McEntee actually went out and negotiated on that and got a solution and got an agreement. With the support of all parties, including Fianna Fáil. Look, sorry, I haven't finished now, Michael. Okay, sorry, Thanks, man. Um, I do agree with that, with all parties behind him, but they went out and negotiated that and got that, that agreement. Leo Varadkar went out and met with Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, and actually got that relationship together and got that agreement. That is in situ now. That, for want of a better word, that has, has, has come down because there's less fear because they went out and actually got the solution. But the, the next step of the process, the second half of the process now, is actually negotiating the withdrawal agreement, which is of huge significance to agriculture and farming. Well, the future agreement, the withdrawal so, agreement. Yes, sorry, sorry, the future yeah, agreement, you know, this, apologies. This, this election is not about Brexit. And I know Brexit was a huge issue. Still and, is. Uh, well, it's, it's, it has been a huge issue Massive, and, yeah. and, and will be into the into future. This election is about f- uh, family incomes. It's about mental health services. It's about lack of services in our childcare. Uh, lack of services in in um, the, the disability sector. Uh, people are crumbling; they're on their on their knees. Uh, housing is a huge issue. I'm a, an auctioneer myself by profession, and to get a rental house in Newcastle at the moment is impossible. To get people on the local authority housing, we need to get Ireland moving. We need to get the next government building houses for our young families to keep them living rurally, to keep our schools, to keep our shops to keep our small indigenous industries alive. And that's where it's at. It's not at Brexit. Yeah. This, this, this election isn't about Brexit. By the way, what about a rent freeze? Fianna Fáil are not actually in favour of that? Uh, we're, we're not in favour of a rent freeze, but maybe a rent cap, which, which is a, in, important. But we, start to need, we, start to need, we need to start building houses quickly. We What's need, the we, difference between a rent we, cap and a rent freeze? Same thing, Joe, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Tom. But Joe, yeah. we, we need to start building houses. Yeah, I'll let Tom in on the, on the rent freeze by Anne Clare. We have local authority Look. lands that, that are not yeah, being okay. utilised. Yeah, the rent cap or rent freeze, like, I can, I can understand you know, the methodology and you know, why somebody would say, look, let's freeze rents and stop them. But the problem with that is that you do not incentivize anybody to build houses in relation to supply of one-off landlords that have the one or two homes and you affect supply in the long run. That is the problem there. So a rent pressure zone where you have that inflation, that slight inflation there that still kind of stimulates that side of supply because supply is the problem here. There's 21,000 homes being built this year. We need that to go to 35 because the construction industry was 90% wiped out. Everybody had emigrated, everybody was gone and you were building it from scratch again. I do agree you need to build more homes but we're up to 21,000 now. Um, Well the Green Party are in favour of a cost rental housing which is um, housing built on public lands and as we know that the government have a huge land bank and and that's something that we need to work towards is is building on this land bank. Right, talk to me about your party leaders. Uh, Eamon Ryan in the Greens case, uh, the Taoiseach of Arad, Karen Finnegales and Micheál Martin in Fianna Fáil's um, case. Um, are they a help or a hindrance, these leaders? Sure, every organisation has to have a leader, Joe. Um, but is it helping you on your campaign on the ground, Michal? Uh, well, look, I'm very much doing my own thing on the ground. Uh, I'm well able to t- chat to... Ch- <laughs> what ch- what ch- does that mean, though? Michal Martin has been very consistent. Uh, he's a, a great man to debate on, on national uh, TV and radio. And he has brought the, the party back from... You know, back from the ashes. So I, I respect Michal Martin. He's a, a very experienced politician and that's what we need going forward to form the next government. We need the likes of Michal Martin 
to lead the next government? You see, I mean, a lot of people, even within Fine Gael, would have thought that this election was going to be about the Leo wave. So far, based on the polls, it appears to be about the Sinn Féin wave. So is Leo a hindrance? Well, again, you're speculating there on what a lot of people... Well, I'm only talking about the no, polls. No, just, I'm, not, I'm not saying... I've, how many times do I, I have to say the election takes place on Saturday? I mean, I know that. We were all aware of it. You haven't let me finish. Go on. <laughs> well, I've let you finish a fair bit now, Tom. You've done all right in balance. Fair play. Go on. Okay, carry no on. Worries. Carry on. Yeah, no, listen. Um, uh, elections are always going to be about the issues, right? That's always my take and my experience on it. It's always been about the issues that I've mentioned there. The economy, health, housing, you know, agriculture... That's what it boils down to. What affects people's lives? That's what the election is about. And we're starting to see that here again. So I, there's I, no Leo wave? No, what, I, what I'm saying is it's in relation to the issues. The issues. The, Leo is the leader of the party. I actually thank him for visiting Adair 10 days ago. He came down to uh, uh, help us with the campaign and did a canvas of Adair. And I thank him for that, for taking his time out. I know he was in Limerick yesterday as well. So he is starting to visit the regions as well. Uh, 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 and the other constituencies and actually putting his shoulder behind the wheel and on the ground. Okay. So fair play to him. Eamon Ryan, who was a minister, of course, um, yeah. in a particular government that people will remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about him? Well, I feel a lot of what Eamon says is completely misrepresented by the media. And for example, it, like I think we all know about the M20 motorway and um, and what, what he said about that, that it doesn't make sense. And he was completely rep- misrepresented on that issue. And um, well, oh, So what is his real position on the well, M20? The real position Limerick is that we're looking at four different options currently. The, the planning and design team it's still at that stage and it's still, uh, we still haven't decided on, on the route or a route has still hasn't been decided. This was something that was promised 20 years ago by the different governments that were in power, Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil, that th- this motorway would be delivered. And um, it's still so at a planning design. So is he a help or a hindrance for you on the ground? Um, well, some of what he says does get taken up incorrectly and I find myself having to actually explain what he actually meant but um, I, I feel look Eamon is a very good leader and he knows he knows climate change inside out and um, I think he's he's definitely okay. Right, well, there's going to be a quite a big leaders' debate tonight mm. um, on RTE, and we'll see about that. And I think the other parties' leaders will get an opportunity. RTE have decided on Thursday night now because the three leaders will be involved this evening. Um, thank no, you. Can I, can I just comment on the M20? I, 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 I really don't have time. Very briefly now. Well, the M20 is crucial to, for. Uh, I think for, every, for, uh, yeah, we all okay. agree with that. And it, it has to be delivered. Okay. To connect Galway, Limerick, and Cork. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Listen. Thank you very much to the three of you. A uh, very interesting debate this morning. Uh, Fianna Falls, Michael Collins, the Green Party's Claire Keating, and Fine Gael's Tom Neville, all standing in the Limerick County constituency on election day, as they all point out, where you will get to make your decision this Saturday. Call Limerick today now on 461995.